<coughs> to practice in accordance with Dhamma is a practice of purification. So it's, it's if you want to use simple references, purification is better reference than attainment because it really gives you the sense of clearing things out and you know purity, clarity, non-proliferation, straightness, truthfulness. It's more than just a verbal truth, but actual, you might say an energetic truth when you feel balanced and true, in true, in alignment. You know, when the mind is not embellishing, when the mind is exact, not past, future, should be, could be, but... Uh, exact and uh, there's an emotional truth there that emotionally one is equanimous spacious you know you know because in that um, there's nothing to lose you're not fearful and you're not clamoring for anything because you know your own truth you feel your own truth you feel your own balance you're comfortable with that Because you feel comfortable in your own balance, then what the world does is kind of like the world's business, really. It doesn't have to be your stuff. Well, as long as we don't know our own truth, what tends to happen is the world's stuff becomes my stuff. I pick it up, it's contagious. People get angry, I get angry back. People get impatient, I rush around trying to sort it out. when there's meanness and harshness I feel judgmental and irritated so you see how the contagions occur when you take on the pollutions of the samsara and uh, from whatever view one has of justification of some kind or another one has taken on the disease because we don't know our own truth don't know our own freedom, we don't know our own balance, we don't know our own purity. So purity is a lovely quality to just, just to bring into mind. Is, it, is your mind exact? Is it in true? Is it honest? Mm. Is it in accordance with Dhamma? Not just the theories of Dhamma, but the actual here and now experience of spaciousness, clarity, empathy, <coughs> steadiness, mindfulness, right view. You know, however, you want to, you can sense that. So, practicing in accordance with Dhamma is. is clearing out one's untruths or one's impurity. Impurity is not such an inspiring word, but it doesn't mean kind of fatal sins. It means places where one is confused, reactive, hasn't seen, hasn't penetrated. There are kind of um, unacknowledged impulses and stuff going on, old karma happening. 
Mm. We get upset, we get depressed, we get craving, we get greedy, we get angry, we get needy, things of this nature. So we have to acknowledge some of these and then the practice of practice in accordance with Dharma is clearing this. So you bring awareness, integrate awareness, mental nature, integrate that into mental behavior, which is often unconscious behavior, views, biases, attitudes, habits of the mind, emotional habits, being forceful, being wavering and havering, dithering, uh, being too strong, being too too weak. Kind of these are old embedded habits of the mind. Doubt, self-recrimination, restlessness. (coughs) So bringing uh, awareness into these so that these can be released. There's no point, you know, you could call just focusing on on awareness is like a samadhi practice, building up that facility, that strength, that understanding, being in touch with your good stuff, full awareness, which is has mindfulness and investigation and joy and ease, focusing, um, samadhi, collectedness, has all these aspects in it. So when you focus on that in yourself to whatever degree it is, it's, uh, it's always going to help it to grow and be strengthened. And then really you want to be able to have that as a reference so you can sense in yourself when things are going out. Uh huh. When you're getting a bit lost, things cave in. You can feel it almost collapse because the the steadiness collapses. Balance gets lost. One feels constricted. One feels oppressed. One feels driven. There's a whole kind of energetic aspect to the afflictions. They drive. They push. They constrict. They press. They spin you. That's the sankara. That's the, that's the programming. You get spun, constricted, compressed, tight. And then around that, these habits, emotional habits, defensiveness, impatience, irritation, uh, craving, you know, other kind of the unenlightened mind's way of trying to relieve itself from pressure, stre- stress, bleakness. You know. So these are these are symptoms, and you have to address not just the symptoms but the underlying basis for these. So you, often you kind of we say when you experience these symptoms, you know, agitation, restlessness, craving, then the quality of awareness that is, that is investigative. And bring mindfulness to bear upon that. What's happening? Investigate it. 
And the process of easing and calming changes the energies, shifts them, and you're able to purify. Sounds like you're doing a lot, but actually um, to practice in accordance with Dhamma, first of all, does mean quite a lot of doing. Then doing gets less because you, you've, you've generated something that works by itself. You've generated um, Dhamma. So practice in accordance with Dhamma is exactly called um, Dhammata, practice in accordance with Dhamma. That is, you, you've got something there that will actually do the work for you. Build up. So, you know, once we have established a kind of reference of balance, steadiness, then you know what that is. Now, just be there, be with that. Stay with that. And you feel these kind of thoughts coming up, emotions coming up, just keep referring to that quality of steadiness and balance. Breathing in, breathing out, and let that have its effects. It's rather like that. Then it's it's um, an, a process which you just sort of step back from, and mm, there it is. How long does it take? I don't know. It doesn't really matter because it takes as long as it takes, and if it's if it uh, has the quality of ease and joy in it, it then it doesn't matter because it, it's enjoyable. So really the, the practice in accordance with Dhamma is also practice with a certain sense of, of enjoyment in it. You know, you feel confident, you feel purposeful, you feel um, true, you feel you're dealing with relevant things. There's a sense of, hmm, Okay, let's just be with this one for a while. This is impatience. This is whatever it is. Of course, these things themselves are generally, you know, the afflictions themselves that things one reacts to quite strongly. Don't want this, don't like this, shouldn't be here, shouldn't be this way. And then, you know, then if actually we're not right at that very point a relationship, we're already getting it wrong. Because you're not relating it to it from a place of Dhamma, relating it from a place of self. See, in the cultivation of uh, paramita, these perfections, is a helpful map of one way of looking at practice. Generosity, virtue, renunciation. Energy. Discernment, patience, truthfulness, loving kindness, equanimity, 
resolution, these kinds of qualities. You can add others. You know. But you get the sense with these that you, you, you have a, a way of, of like putting something in your mind, your attitude. Let's see if you can be kind to this. Let's see if you can develop that, whatever it is. What it, because, uh, and they, they have, um, um, so you kind of seed this kind of in, intention. You give rise this kind of intention. And they are things like generosity. It feels very pleasant when one can be generous. You have that. Something feels kind of pleasant when I'm not generous. You know, when you look at it one way, well, I've got this, I've got mine, I'm fine. Well, that's really nice. You know, this sense of having things. But then it's nice on a sensory level, but the mind feels kind of grasping and tight. And then, so if you look at the quality of mind, uh, the mental intention, then the mental intention behind non-generosity um, is unpleasant. The mental intention behind generosity is a pleasant one. You know, oh, feel big-hearted, grand, that's fine, please. You know, lovely sense of, of warmth and openness comes with generosity. So once you get the flavor of it, you know, you want to go there again. And after a while it becomes something that becomes ingrained. Just like, you know, you, you want to go there again and again and again. So it starts to take, it starts to happen by itself. It's like you've built up a kind of a, of a process that, that tends to happen much more by itself. First of all, it's, you have to kind of think it through. Why? Why? Why bother? I've done this, there's all written, but... You know, you, you know, um, and no, just do it, do it. Something like patience, for example, is a word that um, you don't hear much of. They say it in airplanes when they've just made you wait for 10 hours. They say, thank you for your patience. <laughs> you know, people weren't patient, people were angry, upset, annoyed, irritated. <laughs> they <laughs> demanded their money back. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> it's like one of those words like thank you and sorry, which don't mean anything anymore. Excuse me, it's just the But the idea really is to be impatient. <laughs> Get it quick, fast, faster, quicker, as soon as you can. So you you know, you get that ingrained in. And the idea of having to wait is unbearable, not right. It's my right to get it now. Why should I have to wait? It's wrong. It's 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 degrading. It's debasing to have to wait. You know. So it's rather like, you know, the mind doesn't see that. It's rather like we could forget generosity, but patience is a much more easy virtue to forget because it seems so, so kind of passive. Yeah. But then when you look in meditation, you realize how much of this sneaking feeling of, you know, I like to kind of get on, get my mind, get past that. Get to, when I get to the next stage, when I get to the better state that I'm in right now, I don't have to deal with this. 
mm, irritating thing or monastic life there's always bits of chaos going on <laughs> here and there because <laughs> it's a kind of open uh, state of monasteries people coming and going things happening so you think oh, I want to get to the time when it really really got peaceful and quiet you know when these little irritating things went away and the things worked and the showers weren't breaking down and the you know whatever it is people were quiet and everybody was in happy peaceful and happy like you're supposed to be peaceful and happy Contented, grateful, peaceful, happy. <laughs> it's kind of tyranny, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to demand people be that way. So, you know, you can try to use the situation when you realize, oh, it's about patience. Ah, now I see. Rather than about everybody being peaceful and happy and contented and grateful, it's about me being patient with my irritability and so forth, and with everybody else's stuff. Oh, I get it. Okay, now if I'm patient long enough, it'll check. No, no, that's not patience. That's a, that's trying to do a deal. Patience is just a really kind of just keep opening and opening and opening, letting it be, and knowing it's not yours. Letting that be knowing it's not yours. The Buddha said patience is the highest austerity, highest spiritual practice. Letting, this is because the Buddha is still living in samsara, in some respect. You know, didn't have a centrally heated, um, soundproofed meditation hall to sit, down, to sit out under a tree. Probably ants and things heat of the sun, people coming and going. I mean, the whole life was pretty, pretty rough. And uh, so, what do you do you know, with that? Well, you've got to, first of all, you've got to be patient with it. And in his time in the Sangha, there was disputes, schisms, people always getting it wrong, blowing it, doing all kinds of <coughs> naughtiness after he taught them <coughs> best he could, still doing all kinds of naughty things. <laughs> and uh, it's just you know, still there, you know, he's still with it. But the quality of patience is really important to develop. As we're all in contact you know, with, with his sangsaric experience, both internally, sometimes externally, with agitation and grasping, fear, aversion, righteousness, you know, hostility, negativity, corruptions, brutalities, you know. And uh, for a you know, the meditator, at least the, the, you get the sense of that's that. Now find your own truth first. 
you do what you can, you create a boundary for what you're going to do, find your own truth, find the way to relate to the samsara. where it doesn't infect you. Resolution, keep coming back, it will catch his hold many, many times. Different aspects catch hold many, many times. You've got to keep resolutely coming back. We lose it, we blow it many, many times, resolutely coming back. New day, new moment. Put energy into that. And you feel these qualities themselves have a regenerative effect. As you, if you stuff, first we have to willfully do it. Doesn't mean we're tensing up, but a sense of knowing and deliberately saying, "Just wait, be patient, hold on, stop, wait, just wait." You have to kind of really check those impulses that are pushy, agitated, demanding yourself to be something or the other. Just, just be patient, and then you get the after all, you get the feeling of it, incredibly vast, wise, tender feeling of conditioned phenomena do this. With patience comes equanimity and wisdom. Where it's like to go through a, a retreat, a long, it's a long, it's a long retreat. You know, little burst the weekend or ten days, five days. Oh, you know, here we are, getting quieter, calmer, mind's getting better. You go through about two or three months or years of it, the mind does get better. Then it suddenly blip, something comes flashing up, stuff you didn't even know existed. As you go into deeper pockets of old habits, instincts, impulses. So then it goes all up topsy-turvy again. Some of this stuff is very disturbing. Old fears, old prejudices, old um, wounds come to the surface. Meditation's gone all messy. I was really having a good time. It's got a complete mess. What have I done wrong? No, it's supposed to go this way. You don't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, you're kind of <laughs> cleaning out. Cleaning out means that the, you know, the the kind of dirt has to be seen, cleaned out. And this this is a process of practice. But then, in practice, in accordance with Dhamma, means that you don't just go into the dirt, feeling, you know, but you you kind of know how to balance coming back to your good side your comfortable space the way you're okay strengthening that so you just get the touch of these um, negative energies 
constrictive energies, how it happens in your body. In other words, you don't go full tilt into it, but you just stay on the edge of it. You know, the nagging thought, the constricted feeling, particularly if you can feel it in your body, the trembling, the block. And sometimes you get this kind of tightening in your abdomen or constrictions around your face or your throat or your chest. And you just try to expand your awareness to cover your whole body, breathing in, breathing out. Don't try to understand it or fix it. Just let the Dhamma do that. So once you have established a relationship of a non-afflictive awareness with the afflictive states, then is the time to let the process of Dhamma, let the Dhamma do the work. You keep going in there and fiddling with it, it's like you, you get in the way, get out of the way. So you have the different stages. First of all, it actually is priming the mind to have quality of mindfulness, strength, compassion, empathy. Might say things as non-violent, non-harming, empathy, renunciation. So we know those. We 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 can do that. We've strengthened that, and then starting to enjoy them. So you enjoy being. Uh, kind, being patient, you get it not just something you have to do, but you actually get a nice feeling from it. You're getting the effects of it. You know? So this is what our samatha in general is about. The general field of samatha is bringing up the good, feeling it, strengthening it, getting to like it and enjoy it till it becomes nature, true nature. You know? Dhammata. It's only when it's like that that you perhaps have the resources to access some of the, to to dissolve some of these uh, hindrances, afflictions. Till you have the resources, you're well advised to just put it to one side, put it to one side, disengage from the topics, cool the mind, steady the mind. Mm. There's no point going into something that's just going to wind you up and snarl you up, catch hold of you and drive you nuts. You know, you want to find a place you can come out. So we might have the original signs of awareness, uh, that sense of watchfulness or witnessing. Oh, that's that. That's interesting. What's that? That you might say is the original sign of it, acknowledgement. Then to enter into it deeply so you can feel the sense of, sometimes it seems like clarity or brightness or spaciousness or... uh, or kind of warm quality, you know, 
And you go more deeply into that till it. Uh, all these are just signs. They're not. They're just kind of aspects, furnishings, and uh, essentially it's signless. Hmm. But its chief characteristic, it does not take on, it does not get infected. by behaviors, so then we bring it to bear upon the, these um, tendencies and it starts to take away the compulsive because it doesn't get infected. Right? It's bringing that purity onto the impurity with no idea of changing anything. But uh, it, it happens by itself, just like when you put something into water, you don't have to tell the water to get on and dissolve it. It does it by itself. That's its, that's its nature. It doesn't take on so that which doesn't take on the impurity. Naturally dissolves it, deprives it of food. So any time we practice this, any time we're able to practice this, some things, you know, you can a lot easier, aren't they? How to not get bothered by a thought. How to not get bothered by people moving around, you know, little bits of noise, and you're not jumping up, getting angry about it. It's just, oh, well, do they? <laughs> you know, how to not get bothered by it being a bit cold or something breaking down. Oh, well, it's that. How to not get bothered by people making mistakes, you know, being a bit noisy or dropping something. Oh well. And so, you know, you take that really access that that you can do this and how good that feels that this time you didn't, it didn't jump up, it didn't get infected. What's that? What's that? We all have that capacity. Needs to be strengthened. Needs to be strengthened. You know, you can use something like you know, your you base of loving kindness sometimes just towards others as towards myself, which we can do to a some degree, and then you strengthen it and deepen it. So there's no, so you get the feel how good it is that you know people whose behaviour is really quite disgusting and and uh, and subnormal, <laughs> you know, brutal tyrants. You don't have a feeling of ill will towards them. You have more of a sense of, well, this person is really deluded. Mm. Looks like they can might suffer quite a lot to be like that. Uh, doesn't mean you love them, but you, you're not taking on the infection of hatred and righteousness. Mm. There's things of this nature, and you say, oh, that's marvellous, actually, that we can do, so, you know, the degree which we can do it. Just abiding in that, focusing into that, staying with that, it will strengthen, it will strengthen. And then you need to extend it, don't you? Extend it towards yourself, towards all aspects of yourself. Towards the mean-hearted, or the violent, or the furtive, or the manipulative, or the jealous, or whatever it is. You know, extend it, all aspects of yourself. 
It's like you keep you have to extend awareness. It's like in breathing, you extend the breathing when it becomes steady and clear, then you extend the breathing, suffuse the breathing energy through the whole body. When you develop loving kindness, you extend that through the whole of your psyche, of your mind, and attitudes and behaviors of other people. This is integration, this is practice in accordance with Dhamma. Like, uh, you know, we find often where it can be at least almost like a, a choice. You know, how would it be, say, you know, something when you could get even with somebody or you could forgive? Something that seems quite attractive to really put this person down. <laughs> really, yeah, that, that's quite attractive. And, but what's attracted is not not Dhamma. What's attracted is something else. And then you say, what would you like forgiving? No, I don't want to forgive. Why should I forgive? And you go back to it. Ah, yes. That's practice in accordance with Dhamma. That's a different movement. And I like that. Suddenly I feel big, spacious, clear, balanced, not bothered. You know, I'm out of it out of that tangle of recriminations and so on. This is really, uh, get the flavor of it. Because you, you know, the flavor of the world has, it, has, a, has a zest to it. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. Nobody would be in it if it didn't have any kick to it. But it's like a, a bright, fiery kick. It's got little, no depth. Flavor of Dhamma is subtler sometimes, softer, you can miss it. And yet once you get into it, the effects are like enormous for your own liberation and for the welfare of others. Mm. Truly this is our this is our opportunity, truly this is our path if we can take heart in this and uh, be encouraged in this. We are in a way like a little generator here of of Dhamma generating it in this crucible in this laboratory with its ups and downs and you get a feeling for it and then naturally it tends to spread because we all enjoy it and we see the results